Joining a fraternity was the single best decision I made in college. Hi, welcome to episode seven of Backs of All Trades podcast. This episode, I'm going to be talking about joining a fraternity. Is it something that you want to do in college? What actually is a fraternity? What are the benefits? And much, much more. So let's get right into it and just start talking about essentially my journey to joining a fraternity, because I think like many, I had a lot of preconceived notions about what a fraternity is. Uh, you know, I just assumed that all the movies and the tropes and everything were true and that fraternities were essentially full of dumb idiots who liked to drink and party, not much else, maybe weren't that good at school and um, even some more negative stuff possibly like sexual assault and other things that come along hazing all of these things that you hear about fraternities because there definitely can be a lot of negatives but I kind of thought that negatives on the whole were the whole experience so when I went to Georgia Tech I just assumed I wasn't going to be joining a fraternity based on all the things I just mentioned. When I did go to college, I've talked about this in previous episodes, I was very insecure, uh, maybe not outwardly so, but uh, holding conversations was somewhat difficult for me. I definitely was inexperienced with girls. I had had one girlfriend in high school, but it was a little bit different. You know, Basically, I wasn't that confident of a person, and uh, there were many things that I just didn't necessarily like about myself. And you know, this combined with a lot of other things maybe made me even hate fraternity guys even more. But as some of you may not know this, I have a twin brother and my brother actually went to Georgia Tech the summer before I ended up going there and he ended up pledging a fraternity. And at the time I was like, whoa, what is this guy doing? Like he's throwing his life away, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And he ended up joining the fraternity called Pike or Pi Kappa Alpha at Georgia Tech. And so when I got to Georgia Tech and my freshman roommate was going around and rushing, for people who don't know how the fraternity process works, most people have air, most fraternities have a rush week where the entire campus, you, this goes for sororities as well, but I'm going to be talking about fraternities in this episode. Uh, you go around and you basically go from house to house, whatever you want, and start meeting a bunch of people. And it's a very formal process called rush. And that's when you can actually get a bid, which is a basically request to say, hey, you're allowed to join the fraternity if you want. Um, and yeah, so I, my freshman roommate was rushing. I decided to rush around with him. And I, after some discussion with my twin brother, we decided that we didn't want to necessarily be in the same fraternity. And so even though I enjoyed some of the guys at Pike, I ended up joining a different fraternity. I'm not going to name that fraternity here, um, but I ended up pledging a fraternity that probably wasn't the best one for me. And so when you talk about rushing a fraternity, I think that there's a, a very big important thing to focus on, which is making sure that you're actually compatible with the guys who you're joining. And I didn't really do this. I just joined the place that ended up giving me a bid and I didn't really get along with the brothers. I didn't really like what it stood for. And so I didn't hang around there that much. And, um, truthfully I was like, yeah, this whole fraternity thing's probably not for me. Like it was not that enjoyable of experience for me. This was freshman fall by the way. And, uh, ultimately Towards the end of the semester, the fraternity got into some trouble and I ended up dropping. Dropping meaning I had not yet been initiated as a brother and so I dropped. And in the spring, I actually ended up pledging Pike, which is the same fraternity that my brother joined. And as it turned out, that was a much, much, much better fit for me. I enjoyed the the guys at Pike a lot more. I got along with them and it ended up being, like I said at the beginning of the video, the best decision I made in college. And so 
I want to talk about what it really did for me. Um, first and foremost, right when I joined in the spring, it gave me a place to hang out in between classes. I had my pledge class, people who I got to grow really close with. I didn't really grow close with my pledge class at my previous fraternity. So I ended up growing really close to my with uh, the fraternity brothers or my pledge brothers at Pike. And then additionally, like I said, the house was a great place to go and meet a bunch of people. And so I... Uh, immediately sort of dove headfirst into the fraternity when it came to like holding positions. So the first semester after I was initiated as a brother, I ended up holding risk manager. Risk manager is a really interesting position and it's actually one that is not very popular to pursue, uh, but I wanted to gain responsibility early. Risk manager, you have to be totally and completely sober and you are essentially the person who is managing all risk for the fraternity, right? That's at parties, that's with pledge ship, uh, every event that happens. And so it's a pretty big deal and it's actually a lot of responsibility and oftentimes is underappreciated, I would say. Uh, but I went on to then hold many more positions and because I held risk manager and it's such a respected position, uh, then that helped me in holding more and more positions. Um, so over the years, you know, after holding risk manager, then I went the complete opposite route and I ended up holding the social chair position, which is the planning of all the parties, the stuff that may or may not have risk involved with it. Then I was rush chair, which is the person in charge of essentially the whole recruitment process uh, for a fraternity. Then pledge trainer, who are the people who are actually guiding the pledges through their process. And lastly, I was the president of my fraternity. And so I, I went from essentially the bottom of the totem pole all the way to being the person who is the in charge of the entire fraternity. I'll talk more about what I did as president later, but you know, what the fraternity really did and what it did immediately, which was really beneficial to me at Georgia tech is that it took a campus of 18,000 kids, uh, undergraduate kids and reduced it to 80 guys who I got to know really, really well. And so when you think about like a college campus, that's that big, yes, you can make close friends and yes, but it's a lot more difficult, but essentially it's, it's such a large group of people that it can be a really overwhelming. And so to have the bonds on a much deeper level and a much closer level, I think was really beneficial to me, especially as someone who, you know, was kind of unconfident and was insecure to, uh, have these people, um, to essentially look up to, right? So it gave me a massive group of people, uh, that I could aspire to be like, and it was different people in different categories. Uh, Pike, by the way, was known as the athletic fraternity or the meatheads or whatever you want to say. But the point being, there were guys who were, uh, very, very buff and very athletic in whatever they did. And, uh, you know, there's a saying in Pike slag, but essentially the A in slag stands for athlete. And, so there were people I could look up to physically and I would go to the gym with. Then there were people I would look up to professionally. There were people who had insane job offers, whether they were in their, you know, internship wise, sophomore, junior year, senior year, or had insane jobs lined up after college. So when they would graduate, they would go and make over six figures straight out of college, which as a freshman to look at somebody like that is actually really motivating. And it gives you somebody to ask questions about, oh, what did you, what was your path right now? Again, you can do this in other clubs and you don't have to be in a fraternity to do these things, but it gives you a very, very easy way to do that, which is what I liked about it. Like, I'm not saying that anything in this video is impossible to do in other places. It just allowed that for me or allowed me to do that much, much easier. Um, it also people I could look up to socially, uh, you know, they're, 
were a lot of really charismatic, likable people, likable dudes who, you know, either girls would just be gravitated towards or guys would just be gravitated towards because they could just light up a room. And when they, you know, spoke, everyone wanted to hear what they had to say, which again, as someone who came in as a freshman, I was the opposite of that. And so I really admired those types of people. And again, I could observe them in a, in a safe environment and be like, okay, what makes this person so attractive to other people? And, uh, then you could ask them directly. You could build relationships with these people. And so to have essentially this area for role models who are also your friends is, uh, something that I think is somewhat unique to a fraternity in college. Uh, it also gave me a built-in social network. The reputation at Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech is a very good school, obviously. And, uh, that, people are nerds. And that's absolutely true. You know, the people in my classes that I would take, you know, multivariable calculus with, I wouldn't necessarily want to be friends with. Cause even though I was a little bit socially awkward, I was still an outgoing person. I still had many friends. Um, making friends is not something I ever struggled with. Uh, and the people in these classes were not people I would ever be friends with. You know, these were people who were extremely introverted, only would, you know, study, play video games, go to bed, not do anything fun or not do anything I would consider to be fun. And so it would have been really hard for me to build that social network if I were not in Greek life at Georgia Tech. And there literally was almost a difference between the people who were in Greek life at Georgia Tech and those who weren't, such that I knew virtually everyone in Greek life by name. And so even though I said that there were 18,000 kids undergraduate and it reduced it to 80 for my social network, it actually kind of felt almost though the entire Georgia Tech class was more around 3,000, which was around the population of Greek life. Uh, and so those were the people I got to know really well. And those were the people I would see you know, out at the bars, at parties, et cetera. Uh, and hold classes with even my friends, the, the the friends that I did make in my classes were actually in fraternities, uh, but other fraternities than my own. But it was rare that would I become a really close friend with a GED, uh, which is essentially an independent, like not affiliated with Greek life. Again, have nothing against those people, but um, it's just the way that it worked out for me. It also gave me a place to let loose. Uh, you know, the Georgia Tech was a very academically rigorous school. And, you know, there were these so-called like hell weeks where it's weeks that are just so brutal when it comes to exams and projects. And so having a built-in social calendar was just so nice because you had so much stuff to look forward to, whether it was date nights or mixers or, you know, so special events like going to a, literally a beach with your entire fraternity. Think about how fun that is. And or just parties on the weekend, right? And so basically having that built in, I didn't have to put in any effort until obviously I was in the positions who led those things, uh, which was very rewarding, but yeah, no, it, it is invaluable because otherwise you have to make the moves yourself and that can be very difficult. It, also gave you people to hold people to hold me accountable, right? I mentioned how there were people physically who were much stronger than I am, but also just the fact that we were the meatheads, we were the athletic fraternity. Uh, there were always people who were going to the gym in between classes, and uh, you know there was actually a rumor of Pike specifically that we had a rule that someone had to be in the gym at all times. This was not true, by the way, but it's funny to hear how the little rumors float around campus. But that being said, when you do have that sort of ecosystem and that ethos of people who are just 
oh, going to the gym and this is like a, almost an intrinsic value that we hold high to ourselves, then especially for the people who were not going to the gym, uh, it gives you so much motivation to get in there and to actually start working out. I mean, I saw some crazy transformations, as many of you know from my gym episode. If you haven't seen that, go watch that. But I had been working out since sophomore year of high school, but there were people who didn't start working out until college. And I saw transformations of people literally gaining 40 to 50 pounds, total transformations from the gym and Pike being the main reason why they did that. And uh, I'm going to put it aside here and just say that uh, this may sound like an ad for Pike. This is not an ad for Pike. It's an ad for what fraternities can give you. And uh, Pi Kappa Alpha, which is the full name, may not be the right fraternity for you. But if you, this stuff sounds like something you might be interested in pursuing, then you should rush multiple fraternities and see what is the best one for you. Pike just happened to be the best fit for me. It also gave me a professional network. Uh, you know, there's alumni, a super broad alumni network, which, uh, you know, people, it's not even nepotism at that point, right? But to have this group of people that you can leverage, literally on LinkedIn, I could go and message virtually any other Pike in the country and be like, yo, I want a job where you're working. Could you slide me a referral? And they would almost definitely say yes. And if a pike came to me and said that, I would also do that for them. And there are people, very, very successful pikes who actually, you know, we had a, an alumni of our specific chapter who uh, essentially hires a ton of Georgia Tech pikes because he knows the type of people that we produce. And so having that professional network is invaluable and uh, that can't be understated. I actually got my first job, you know, I'm a software engineer now. My first ever software engineering internship was actually because of a friend of the fraternity she was uh, my good friend too, but she essentially, I would not have probably gotten the referral from her had I not been in Greek life and met people like her uh, who essentially have these super powerful uh, connections, right? And so uh, it, can, it builds a, a really powerful network for you in college professionally. It also, this one's a little bit odd. It was a place for me to save money, which sounds weird because yes, there are social dues, which is what you actually pay to be in the fraternity, but when you went, at least at Georgia Tech, I decided to live in the fraternity house, which by the way, was a super fun experience. 39 dudes lived in the house. Um, I lived there for two years, but the rent at the Pike house was so much cheaper than any on-campus or off-campus apartment that was offered by Georgia Tech or a private institution that I literally saved thousands of dollars being in the fraternity, which is a little bit counterintuitive because there definitely are fraternities that are very expensive and it depends on the school. It depends on the chapter. But at least for me, uh, it was a place for me to save money. Really quickly, if you're enjoying this episode on fraternities, please make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment down below. And without further ado, let's get back into the episode. It was a place for me to learn leadership. And this is arguably one of the most important ones and one of the ones I got the most out of being in Pike because I was able to eventually hold the presidency title, but a bunch of different positions before that. It was almost like a sandbox for me to be in a leadership position of my peers and the most important of which being president. And when I talk about being president, I ended up going to a president's conference in Memphis. Uh, this was during COVID and it was a conference where literally the presidents of all the Pike chapters from around the country would come in for that single conference. And it was super fun. That was one of my most rewarding things I did as a, as Pike president, but a statement that really stuck with me when it talked about being president of our fraternity was, uh, the person who was leading the conference said, this is the position where you have the most responsibility, the least power 
with zero risk. So what does that mean, right? The most responsibility, because you are in charge as president of essentially leading the direction of the chapter, you are also legally responsible for if anything happens. So if some if something were terrible were to happen, you're the one who's actually legally liable. Um, also, you know, if stuff starts going wrong, even that's not maybe legally, uh, then the entire chapter looks to you and blames you. You are essentially the liaison between your between your chapter and nationals and your chapter and the school administration. So it's a very, very big, important position. You have the least power because I'm not in charge of anyone, right? As much as the brothers, I would like them to respect me, um, which is really how you had to lead as a president of a fraternity. I can't fire them. Uh, you know, I'm not their dad. So they don't have to do what I tell them, which made this really rewarding experience of you had to lead in such a way that people wanted to follow you, which I think is the best type of leader to be. And so being able to learn that was super valuable. And then the last part of that was zero risk, right? As long as you're not doing something really, really stupid, then uh, people's livelihoods aren't on the line, right? If you think about like, if you're a, a CEO of a company, if you make a bad decision, people could lose their jobs, right? If you're a doctor and you make a bad decision, people could be seriously hurt, right? In this little sandbox, which is why I described it as that, any mistake I made, it, it might suck in the moment, but uh, nothing was really on the line. So it was really great. A, a really great learning experience because of that. I can honestly say with complete confidence that I would not have been happy at Georgia Tech were it not for my fraternity and were it not for my specific fraternity experience. And uh, so when I talk about like what was so pivotal in my Georgia Tech career, it really was joining the fraternity. I mean, I leaned very heavily into it and some people will be at varying levels of uh, commitment to their fraternities. I was definitely on the far commitment side, but it was super rewarding. I got so much out of it. And um, it's, you know, some of my closest friends still, like literally my best friends are from my fraternity. And these are people who I will be friends with for life. And so the whole like, oh, you know, you're paying for friends type thing. Um, there's a slight bit of truth to that. But in reality, like, especially as dudes, you know, just being around people who are like-minded to you, you get to choose to be around them, right? If you think about up until this point in high school, your friends are kind of because of where you grew up, right? <laughs> like your best friend from uh, elementary school, even if you've been friends since elementary school, it was literally geographic. Like it was because you lived near them. But when it comes to being in a university and joining a fraternity, you get to choose. And so it's like, these are people who actually share similar values to you, hopefully. So in the case of Pike, it was people who were great students, had a lot of aspirations, and at the same time, like wanted to have fun and be athletic and be a well-rounded person. That's why I liked Pike so much. At least it was, it was about being a well-rounded person. I want to pivot a little bit now because I just gave you my entire fraternity story and I want to give you the tools to ask yourself, should you join a fraternity, right? Because it sounds like I just gave a big ad, but there, it's definitely not for everybody, right? So it's, Important to note that it is different at every school, right? Every, not only every chapter is different, but every chapter at every school is different. And so uh, some schools are known for really, really, really big kind of scary Greek life. And you may be able to have a great social life without ever joining a fraternity. Other schools like Georgia Tech, for example, in my opinion, your social life actually does suffer if you don't join Greek life. 
Um, and I think at Georgia Tech specifically as well, because it was such an academically inclined school, even the dumbest fraternities uh, were still full of really, really bright kids. And so uh, that definitely changes the experience a little bit. Uh, it, actually, at Georgia Tech, the average GPA of active Greek life members was higher than the non-Greek affiliated average. So if you think it's just full, if Greek life is just full of dumb kids, Greek kids actually were smarter than non-Greek affiliated kids at Georgia Tech. The average active Greek life GPA was a 3.56, 3.56 at Georgia Tech, which is actually highest academic honors. That's the highest academic reward you can get when you graduate. Uh, so something to note, uh, are you extroverted, right? And uh, when I say extroverted, I don't, you actually could be an introvert and love being in a fraternity, but if you don't like being around a lot of people, if you don't like you know, socializing, if you truly like being alone, then maybe a fraternity is not for you. Can you afford it? You know, like I mentioned, there are definitely very expensive fraternities out there. And if you are already taking out student loans to join your school and uh, you think that you may not get as much out of being in Greek life as maybe I did, then it's important to note that it can be expensive. Again, in my case, I actually ended up saving money, but um, that's not true for every chapter at every school. So keep that in mind. Uh, we did have many brothers, by the way, who paid their own dues, as in they worked uh, jobs, you know, whether it was internship money or literally at like a bar or something to pay their own dues because they thought that it was that valuable for them to still be a part of their fraternity. The last one I want to ask is like, do you want to be involved? Uh, you know, I obviously held a lot of positions and that is really half of what I would say the reward was for me is not only just the actual social side and my personal development, but also being able to explore uh, the leadership and responsibility side. And there were many people who were paying dues and were part of the fraternity. And I almost wondered why they were still a part of it because they would not come to any events. They would never hold any position. Uh, and so they were just kind of like giving us money. If you, it seemed like almost like a donation, you know, if you are not going to be involved, don't join a fraternity. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about problems with fraternities because, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, how there, I had some preconceived notions. There definitely are some very real problems with fraternities and, you know, everybody's seen the news headlines and, uh, you know, like I said, different at every school, but I have to bring these up. Uh, I couldn't in good faith give an entire episode being an ad for fraternities without talking about how they ca there can be drawbacks. You know, there is the environment where sexual assault is more common. And why does that happen? Well, I'll explain my at least theories behind it, which by the way, I want to make sure everyone knows this was not a problem at my chapter, um, but it did happen at Georgia Tech and it does happen at schools all around the country. And it's terrible. And so I think that there needs to be more attention on it because the education that is given right now from schools about, you know, sexual assault and these things is not effective, in my opinion. Everybody knows that sexual assault is bad. And so having a program or having an education, a seminar, uh, or we have to take some online thing to click through to learn that sexual assault is bad is not effective. You have to attack the root problem. And the root problem, at least when I think of fraternities, is the following environment, right? Uh, many kids at, at Georgia Tech, but across the, every fraternity uh, across the nation, pretty much, there will be guys who maybe didn't have that much experience with 
women or girls in high school. And so they get to college, they're a little bit inexperienced, and which means that you may not know the proper way of escalating things sexually with a girl. And that's a, it takes a lot to learn that, right? Especially as a guy, to do that in a way that they're still feeling comfortable, that they're doing all that stuff. It is somewhat, uh, you know, I the way I describe it is uh, it's like riding a bike in that you have to learn it. Once you learn it, hopefully you can have the signs. Then you add the next thing on, which I just mentioned, or which I'm going to mention, which is alcohol. And alcohol, in my opinion, is basically like taking the training wheels off when you're riding a bike. And so now you have inexperienced guys with women. There's alcohol present, right? And underage drinking, which, you know, not going to talk about too much here, but that does happen at fraternities, right? There is underage drinking. Then there's a newfound sense of entitlement because there's a lot of guys who, especially fraternities, if you're in a top fraternity on campus, there is a social hierarchy, right? And if you're the host, you know, of a party and you're the one who's gatekeeping, you know, the, at the door or like, oh yeah, you can have a drink, but you have to ask a brother first, right? There, there is a sense of entitlement when it comes to this. And then the last one is, uh, pressure from other fraternity members, you know, the way that a lot of fraternities will talk about women and talk about their achievements with women and sleeping with women as sort of, you know, a, a measure of a man, like how many other women you've slept with and all that stuff. It is a quadruple pronged attack, right? You have newly entitled inexperienced men with women who are now with alcohol, AKA no training wheels, and then have pressure from their brothers. It creates an environment where somebody who doesn't even know that they're essentially engaging in an activity that would be perceived as really uncomfortable or coercive uh, from the women's point of view, they may not even know they're doing it, which is why I think the typical education doesn't work. Because I bet you if you ask 90% of these you know, fraternity guys, uh, like, oh, it, do, was she uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. Did she want to do it? They would probably say yes, which means they don't even know what's happening. Um, and so I think that that can definitely happen. We did a lot of things at my fraternity chapter to try and prevent that and to educate before instead of like dealing with after the fact. There is, you know, obviously you have to punish and you have to uh, make sure that somebody understands the consequences of their actions if they do something heinous. But obviously the better course of action there is to prevent it from ever happening. And so we would have a number of different, what I would, think to be more beneficial education seminars with uh, girls in the Greek life community who would explain, you know, essentially scenarios and this is what's creepy. This is what's not creepy. Another negative part of fraternities, which absolutely is real and absolutely does happen is uh, hazing. You know, everyone's heard of hazing. Um, there's different types of hazing. To me, most of it is just so so stupid, so pointless, and yet it does happen, and kids literally die every year. Uh, you know, alcohol hazing to me is the stupidest thing that any fraternity could do. Uh, essentially, forcing your new members, your pledges, to engage in uh, drinking activities, usually copious amounts of alcohol, oftentimes liquor, uh, and and kids literally die. And when you're an 18 year old kid and they're saying, Oh, do you want to be part of this really cool club that, you know, all these really cool guys are a part of, 
well, here's what you have to do. You have to literally put your life in danger. Uh, to me, it's just so, so stupid. Um, and it does happen at some fraternities. And so I won't ignore that. It's it, across the board, uh, I would say illegal. It's literally illegal against the law. And then additionally, it's against every fraternity's national policy. And yet it still does happen. Just something to note. Uh, again, my fraternity, we did not do any kind of that. Uh, there's physical hazing as well, which can also be it literally can kill people as well. Um, you know, I've heard of some really, really egregious stories, um, again, not at my fraternity, uh, but of people, you know, beating uh, pledges or putting them in situations where they have like no clothes in the middle of the winter, in the middle of the woods, really stupid stuff. I think a lot of it comes down to a power dynamic. Uh, many guys uh, at, you know, 18, 19, whenever, they're, whenever they are actually on the side of a brother, if they've went through tough stuff, if they were personally hazed, uh, they get a newfound sense again of entitlement and they want to exercise their power. To me, it comes from a point of insecurity, but um, they want to feel like they're the ones in charge. And so they'll do this and it'll, they'll get some sense of enjoyment out of it. It is not beneficial to the pledges in my opinion. Um, and so, yeah, basically again, it happens at fraternities across the country. Very stupid. Don't condone it at all. Another one, which is uh, it can create an environment for substance abuse problems. Um, this one, there actually was some at my fraternity, which is that when there's an environment where drinking a lot is maybe not even okay, but actually encouraged, it can create an environment to where you can secretly and quietly kind of become an alcoholic or become addicted to marijuana um, or even harder drugs, right? Essentially, you, it's encouraged, as I mentioned, to have fun and go to and do parties and stuff like that. And so there are, there are people who will black out every single time they drink, right? That's a very clear sign of alcoholism or drinking early on in the days, drinking during weekdays when they have exams or whatever, um, because, oh, it's at the fraternity and blah, blah, blah. You're just so frat, right? This stuff does happen. And um, th there definitely are times where it can actually be helpful to be in a fraternity because people will hold you accountable. Um, and I did see this a number of times at my fraternity as well, where it's like, Hey man, like this is getting to be not okay. You know, you're actually, it's affecting your grades. It's affecting your health. Um, and so it, that definitely can happen. But oftentimes I would say that it actually would maybe create more problems than it solves when it comes to substance abuse stuff. So just make sure that, you know, you're keeping track of yourself um, and you're holding yourself accountable and hold, if you're in a fraternity, hold your brothers accountable. Um, and that way we can prevent, you know, stuff like that from continuing to occur. I want to sort of end off this episode <laughs> by saying that it's, it's different for every person, right? Like I said, every chapter is different and every Every chapter at every school is different. And so fraternities may not be the place for you, but if the former side of this episode sounded like something that could be really beneficial to you, uh, then I would say go for it, right? Rush around. Uh, and, and this was literally the best decision I made in my time at college. So yeah, that a lot of people asked about that. If you want to speak, hear me talk more about my time as presidency, I have as president of a fraternity, I have so many stories. So leave that in the comments below if that's something you'd like to hear more about. Um, if you have any questions about being in a fraternity, leave them in the comments below. And um, if you're on any podcast platform, please make sure to give me five stars. And if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. As always, thank you guys so much for watching.